0: Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Kirsten Yale, the Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. October is Vegetarian Month. So we thought we would invite one of our friends from the plant-based nutrition community of interest onto the huddle to discuss vegetarian and vegan meal patterns and the evidence-based benefits they offer to people with diabetes. Suzanne Sorensen is the leader of the plant-based nutrition group on ADCES Connect, a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. She joins us today to share her experience transitioning clients to a plant-based meal pattern and tips for helping your own clients incorporate more plant-based foods into their meals. Susie, welcome to The Huddle. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be part of
1: Vegetarian Month and honored to share with the audience.
0: Well, we are so happy to have you here. I've seen so many of your posts on our community of interest, the plant-based nutrition community of interest, and we've also talked, and you are an active um, leader, I think, in VegFest up in uh, Minnesota. So really, you are just a wealth of information on this topic. And somebody that I go to is I've started thinking about moving to plant-based nutrition myself. I know you really well, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners so they can get to know a little bit about you too.
1: Sure. I'm Susie Sorensen. I am a registered dietitian. And I'm a Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist. This year, 2021, I'm the leader for the Community of Interest, a specialty practice group for plant-based nutrition as a treatment and preventive measure for type 2 diabetes. That's our focus. So I'm leading this year. I'm on my way out. I have a small private practice called Move to Veg Nutrition, where I see clients. And I also work at M Health Fairview here in Minnesota as a diabetes care and education specialist. And I'm involved a little bit outside the work scene too, um, write in some articles and like you said, volunteering at VegFest, just trying to get the word out there to people and help them succeed with their healthy efforts.
0: course, Of course, and you are certainly succeeding because I think the word is getting out. We're seeing more and more of this and those community of interests are getting so much more popular. So that's why we're so happy to have you here. Maybe we can just jump into some of the questions, questions that I have on my mind all the time, too. Okay, we're talking about plant-based, right? So in the past, we heard a lot about vegetarian and vegan. Really, what does plant-based mean? Is it all the same thing?
1: Great question. And I think it's a tiny bit confusing, even for those of us in the profession. (laughs) Plant-based really isn't very well defined. A lot of times we talk about a Whole Foods plant-based meal plan something like that. But I know from talking to patients and clients, you know, people think, well, if I just eat a little more fruit and vegetable, that's plant-based. And I would say, not necessarily. It's maybe a little more about using plants really as the foundation, the primary component of our meal pattern. So plant-based isn't really well-defined and that gets tricky. It can mean different things to different people where vegetarian and vegan really are specific terms. And I think it's important to Let people know that and just use our awareness there. Vegetarian is somebody who really wouldn't consume meat or flesh, but they might consume dairy product or eggs. Somebody who's following a vegan meal pattern really would not consume any animal products, not dairy, not egg, not meat, really uh, sometimes called a strict vegetarian
0: or 100% plant-based meal pattern. But they're all plant-based, right? And I know that they have benefits.
1: Yeah, the benefits are fantastic, and the research is outstanding, really, to support shifting the balance, getting away from the animal products, and trading for more plant-based foods has benefits. they are anti-inflammatory benefits from those plant foods of primary plant food intake to our lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, um, decreased risk of certain cancers from eating a... Really plant focused vegetarian, vegan meal pattern. And for type 2 and type 1, diabetes as a prevention for type 2 and a treatment for both type 2 and type 1. The research and the outcomes are fantastic. We know now from a body of research that's a good 30 or 40 years old at this point that it appears to be actually the fat that we eat that causes insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. So when I'm working with clients, if somebody says, how can I really get off these meds or make this go away? You know, I don't want this type 2 diabetes. We'll say, well, you're talking about remission. And if you're seeking remission, what we're really kind of talking about is healing. That's where we go to a low-fat vegan meal pattern for either prevention or treatment of type 2 diabetes, very effective, very well supported by the research. So lots of great health benefits for anybody. Type 2 diabetes, type 1 diabetes
0: or none at all. There's great benefits for all of us. Well, especially when you start talking about Mm anti-inflammatory and high blood pressure Mm -hmm. and things like that, you started talking a little bit about this. And I don't know if maybe if you can talk about the powerful Results in in two minutes, but okay, why does this happen? You know, like you say it does happen, but where's the why? Yeah, and that's I
1: think the important piece that a lot of practitioners can get up to date with or learn more about. Great research out of Yale and ongoing research with different treatments for type two, especially the focus has been. But what has been found is that our bodies can store fat where it doesn't belong. In type 2 diabetes or with insulin resistance, it turns out that the body is storing fat inside the muscle cells. And that's not where it goes. (laughs) Um, Some of the Yale research showed that people with early signs of developing type 2 who had a family history of type 2 stored about 80% more fat inside their muscle cells than people without that risk. And so I have a little cartoon of a muscle cell with little yellow fat blobs in there. And I say it's kind of like bubblegum in the lock. It makes the cells not work as efficiently at getting the sugar in and out, using it for energy, getting it out of the bloodstream. So it's the fancy name for that fat in the muscle cells is called intramyocellular lipid. Inside the muscle cells, there's fat. And so I think once we know kind of what's causing the problem, then we can really address it. And so for patients with type 2 diabetes who choose to go to that really no added fat vegan meal plan, what we get is a chance for the body to kind of repair itself, clean out that fat that's hanging around where it doesn't belong, and improve the cellular function. So it's really more like healing than just treating if some of our professionals out there will have heard of fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it's the same idea. The body's putting fat someplace that it's not really supposed to be. And so we even can see some improvement or reversal of this fatty liver in patients who follow this meal plan too. So it's not just a two for one, it's a three and a four and a five for one to get cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar down,
0: you know. And I love that, a five for one. I loved that scientific explanation that hit home for me, but I think I'm still going to think about it as the gum and the locks. Like that is how I'm going to, what I mean, That that's how I can think about it um, without saying that intracellular myelolipid uh, mouthful that you might But I, <laughs> I mean, fat in the cells. So, with that idea, so if somebody, so say a person with diabetes or a diabetes care and education specialist wanted to, talk to somebody that they worked with about how to transition to a plant-based diet, how would they do this, especially for somebody with diabetes? Sure. I think
1: that it's probably easier than people imagine it to be. You know, if we start talking to the population that we're working with or our patients or clients, a lot of people have experience eating vegan food and they don't know it like pasta with red sauce or a bean burrito or you know a tomato soup you know so it's not all foreign foods I think sometimes people think it's all different so sometimes it's handy to identify that you're already eating some vegetarian or plant-based meals that don't contain animal product or mud and then add on to like well, what other things can we think of like What do you eat for breakfast? You're already eating oatmeal. So let's eat oatmeal for breakfast. We could have, you know, lentil soup for lunch or a bean burrito or a tofu stir fry for dinner. So it's not really as unknown as people imagine it to be. These are often familiar foods for our patients. And then we just talk about trading out, like, you know, trade an animal product for a plant alternative, like instead of putting milk on my oatmeal or on my cereal, I can use a plant beverage or a plant milk alternative like soy milk, rice milk, almond milk, like that. Doesn't have fat, cholesterol, often lower calorie, which is just a bonus. Or instead of doing a chicken stir fry, substitute tofu or even one of the low fat meat lookalikes, like chick strips or something made from pea protein or soy protein. But the beans and the lentils are so high fiber that doing a lentil soup, a split pea soup, a bean burrito, just trading out meat or animal product for plant sources of nourishment is an easy discussion to have. Increasing fiber,
0: decreasing fat especially as we move into like this colder season, like those lentil soups, I've started doing those. and Hey, and, and everybody who knows me knows I am not a cook. So if I can do this, everybody, yeah. I've started. Um, oh, I marinate my tofu. I just get that extra firm tofu and I marinate it and it's super easy and I can throw it on salads and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that just hearing you talk, there are lots of opportunities and it's not that hard. Let me ask you this. For people with diabetes, I know sometimes they have to do this, like, you know, you have to do carb counting. There's Mm -hmm. specific things to follow. Okay. So if you're following a vegetarian diet or plant-based diet, do you have to be specific like that? Or what are the differences?
1: When I'm working with somebody who's newly diagnosed or back for an annual review, who's looking for a a nutrition tune-up, I always say, you know, there are two shown evidence-based meal patterns that are both very balanced can meet your needs. One of those is carb counting. And in the end, that's really about portion control, right? Kind of knowing how much to eat, doing some label reading, identifying what's a carb and, and then portioning. And then I talk about low-fat vegan meal plan. And in the research for people who followed that low-fat vegan meal pattern, there was no portion control. If you wanted a bowl of oatmeal with some cinnamon and raisins and vanilla almond milk, you had a little bowl or you had a big bowl. So there was no measuring. People ate as much as they wanted. Have a big bowl of bean soup, have a little bowl of bean soup. Have a couple pieces of fruit, have one. So a lot of people say once they get the hang of it, it's a little more natural. It just feels like a little more normal eating without having to work quite so hard on the minutiae stuff. But they both are effective, but the research shows that that low-fat vegan meal plan, specifically for type 2 diabetes, is more effective even than carb counting. One of my patients I just loved him, but came in and he said, "You have to fix me or I have to start insulin." But he hadn't learned about food at all. So I showed him the food models. You know I have a little rubber piece of rice and a little rubber piece of, you know pasta and stuff. And he said, "I'm mad already." that's just a few bites of food. And he said, and I loved him, I just want to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. Like I'd like to just listen to my body and not have to count and measure every darn thing. And I said, you can eat all you want if you only eat plants. And he said, tell me how. He loved it. Came back a few weeks later and Kristen he lost 16 pounds in the first three weeks of a no added fat plant-based. And I asked him, are you eating? <laughs> like, how did you do? And he said, Absolutely. he said, of having a big bowl of oatmeal with raisins and cinnamon and almond milk in the morning. He was a two fast food a day meal man. <laughs> and he said, I'm still going to fast food, but I'm going to taco place instead where I can get a tortilla with black beans, lettuce, tomato, salsa, I'm getting a couple of those for lunch. And then he was doing like canned soup for dinner, bean soup and stuff. And he was succeeding fantastically. And, he liked it because to him it was much more natural. I eat when I'm hungry and I don't stop till I'm full. And his A1C or blood sugars came way down, you know, and he'd lost this weight. And he's one of those patients whose fatty liver resolved in about four months by ultrasound on the healthy meal plan. So, he loved it and reaped all the benefits of, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure, fatty liver, and those diabetes. So, but I loved him because he, right from the start, he said, I'm mad already at having to just eat a little bite of something. And the research that's been done says that patients are as accepting of low-fat plant-based meal plan as they are of carb counting. Some people will say they're not ready for that or that won't work for their family or something, but... People are as accepting of it when offered the choice.
0: That is really cool to hear, honestly. And the way you explain it, you know, it makes so much sense to me. It is a lot easier, you know, like just to have your oatmeal, have as much oatmeal, not have to worry about, you know, measuring how much oatmeal you have. Have as much as you want and throw the blueberries on and love it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I can imagine too, just because with so many plants, like you're filling up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's probably like maybe, you know, with all of these processed foods, we don't feel really full, but boy, the salad and the soups will just fill you up. Right super high fiber, right? And I bet you that takes a little time to get used to, but uh. <laughs> we say, you know, keep drinking your water and maybe ease into the
1: beans. You might be a little tooty for a couple of days, but your body gets the hang of that and learns how to digest that stuff. And then it yeah. all kind of studies out. So
0: yeah. Tell your family members and the people around you, yeah, wait a couple days. <laughs> um, that makes me think about, okay, besides the tooting a little bit for about a week, i um, any other risks or drawbacks that people need to consider with a diet like this? Not
1: really. You know, if we think about just safety, patient safety, blood sugars can drop pretty dramatically if the body responds to this meal pattern. So it's important for people to be aware of. And as diabetes care and education specialists, we want to make sure our patients are aware of the signs of low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, what to watch for and that we can guide them they might need to decrease their medication you know within a week of starting a healthy low fat vegan meal plan if blood sugar drops 50 or 100 points so we may need to kind of guide people you know if you're seeing numbers are 100 under 100 or under 80 cut back your insulin by x percent or so that people aren't running into low blood sugar that's just an awareness and kind of a safety thing if somebody's on a medication that could cause hypoglycemia. Otherwise, you know, we talk, I do recommend here in Minnesota, where we have winter a lot of the year, we talk about taking a a vitamin D supplement and a B12 supplement for sure, just as a safety net. You know, the B12 isn't a substitute for real good whole foods, but it's a safety net because the plant foods really don't naturally have much B12, if any. So we want a supplement just to be safe that we're not having a deficiency of B12. So that's easy.
0: Yeah, that's super easy. You can get it at the Walgreens or your um, drugstore at Target or anything and, and the multivitamin. So that, yeah, you're right. Totally easy. So Susie, we're just coming to the end here. I have loved talking about this. You know, plant-based diets, I know, are a growing trend across our nation, probably globally too. We're hearing so many other reasons, you know, beyond health. It's like even just the environment and everything. So I know that this is a trend and it's exciting to see it growing. So any final words, um, recommendations for our listeners about how to work with people? You know, a few kind of maybe key questions, answers that come to mind
1: One thing to be aware is that people are quite accepting and a plant-based diet works. The research is there to support it. At first, I wondered about who, you know, who should I present this to? And now I just present it to everyone because I found that it doesn't seem to matter, you know, age or income, socioeconomic status. People surprise me and say, oh my gosh, I'm starting tomorrow. So people are accepting and it really does work particularly for type 2 diabetes, a low-fat vegan meal plan really has been shown to put type 2 at times into remission, reduce the need for medication, improve blood sugar, cholesterol, blood pressure, kind of the big three that our our folks are working with. So it can work. People accept it. The science is there. The research is there. A low-fat plant-based meal plan is recommended by the Academy of Lifestyle Medicine, American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, in their position paper on vegetarian new diets, they caught um, the research is there, and the agencies who make these recommendations are promoting it and encouraging it as a prevention or a treatment for type two diabetes. So I think that if we're trying to encourage our patients, step one would be to. Try to find replacements for the animal products and try some plant based products and then work on getting the fat down too. So it's doable and it's fun to be part of that successful team. You know, our patients want to succeed, that's why they're here with us. And so we want to be a part of a winning team and follow them that way.
0: And Susie, you make this so easy and you make it easy for, um, I mean, even somebody like me, who's not a cook and this can be daunting. I, you know, listening to you, I'm like, you know what? I can do this, you know, and, and and anybody can do this. So I truly appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights here. I know people are going to walk away inspired. So thank you.
1: I hope so. Thanks Kristen for having me on. And, you know, if people are seeking more resources, The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, for people who are registered dietitians, has a vegetarian nutrition dietetic practice group specializing in this kind of topic. The Academy of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists has our community of interest for plant-based nutrition. A resource that I recommend to my clients and patients is PCRM.org, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine.org. They have great resources. The research cited there tips, free recipes, and so on. So it's an easy place to get started. And um, like I say, our community of interest is free for members of the diabetes care and education specialists to join. So that's where we share this kind of insights and knowledge and new research with our
0: peers. I'm going to keep following the community of interest because (laughs) like you said, there's a ton of information out there. And next year, I'm going to look for you at VegFest. So yeah. look look for me up there in Minnesota. I will be there. I'll snap by the table. and Maybe we'll do a podcast from Veg It'll
1: be so fun. I'll be at the Ask a Dietitian
0: booth, so you'll find me.
1: <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Okay, I will see you there. Thanks, Kristen. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. As we just heard from Susie, becoming better acquainted with plant-based nutrition and even recommending plant-based eating patterns to clients, may help them reach new milestones in their diabetes self-management. The Plant-Based Community of Interest has over 400 ADCES members and several more blogs, resources, and discussions available to help you begin incorporating plant-based eating into your own diet or those of your clients. Head over to adcesconnect.org and find the group under Communities of Interest tab. You can also find a link in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast remember that free access to ADCES connects communities of interest and local networking groups is just one of the many benefits of membership with ADCES learn about the many ADCES resources education and networking that improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.